Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campion Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Today's momentous day. I finally fired Robert Meyer Burnett, and it oh feels... God. So good. I feel like this huge weight has been lifted off my shoulder. No more spoilers. Now, nah, Rob's sick today. So uh, Rob's not going to be joining us here today. But thank God, Chris Carr is here to carry the weight. Chris, how you doing? Oh, man. Is that what you do on Tuesdays and Thursdays? You're like, we finally got rid of that dead weight car. <laughs> She's out of here. Phew. Feel the feel the liberty. <sighs> Watching over you. Also sitting back there joining us today is Ray Aura. Yeah. Right beside him, we got running the show today, Jonathan Boyko. And of course, Taylor is over here joining us as well. And most importantly, you guys are here today joining us. We are so glad that you are. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. First half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Here's how you get a live comment or question right on the show. Number one got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we will announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. And once we do, that will be your call to send on in your thoughts, theories, comments, and questions. And Chris and I will address those in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. want to remind you guys, if you need an audio-only version of the show, good news, there is the John Campia podcast. That is just the audio version of this show. Go on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Search for it today. Subscribe to it so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys, before we get rolling into a couple of off the tops, I wanted to let you guys know about something. It's now December. Christmas is coming. Yes, it is. And as you know, Anne and I, for the last 10 years, we participate in something called the Adopt-A-Family Program. And if you look around your local municipality, I'm sure they have an agency set up for Adopt-A-Family. Adopt-A-Family is very simple. The agency will match you up with a family in need this Christmas, and then you buy gifts for that family, and it just helps that family give their children a Christmas that otherwise they may not be able to have. Guys, I cannot begin to tell you like how much joy and happiness something little like that brings a family at Christmas time. To see that there's a little bit of kindness in the world is, is a huge thing. So anyway, last year, we've been telling you guys about this for like 10 years. Last year, you guys told us, in mass that you wanted to participate as well. So we got our adoptive family and we created an Amazon wish list for you guys to buy gifts for this family. And your response was stupid. Like it was just stupid good because you bought everything that was on the Amazon list. So we had to add more stuff to the list. And then you bought all that out. And then we added more stuff to the list and you bought all that out. And if, for those of you guys who saw the video, if you want to see the video from last year, just search YouTube for John Campy adopt a family and you should be able to find it there. You guys will see that you gave that family an unbelievable uplifting Christmas and you really did kind of change the world for them. Well, it's Christmas time again and we are doing it again this year. If you look at the very top of the description of this video, you will find a link to our Amazon wish list for this family. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this family that we got paired up with this year. And again, they have no idea. Like they think that we're going to show up on delivery day. To, they're thinking we're going to show up with maybe a couple pairs of shoes, some shirts, some toothpaste, some toothbrushes, stuff like that. They have no idea what's coming. So a little bit about this family. It's, it's a married couple with six children uh, between the ages of eight and 18. And uh, a couple of years ago, as a result of the pandemic, they lost their jobs uh, as a result of the pandemic. 
And I remember, this is not the family telling us this. This is the agency telling us this. And as a result of losing their jobs, they lost their home. So they have been homeless for the last couple of years and, and kind of living in temporary hotels from here and there. Now, thankfully, recently, both of the parents have been able to get jobs again, but they're low paying jobs in, in Los Angeles and in California. It is not easy to get back on your feet when you're making that kind of money, especially when you have children. And so Anne and I heard this story. We, we fell in love with them. We reached out. We talked to the family. Again, they think it's just Anne and I. They think it's just me and Anne. And we got a little list of what they put together. But Anne and I said, we're going to put together a list that's much, much bigger than that. And so we've got our Amazon wish list there. Again, go check out the link. And then whatever you buy off of that, it will be delivered directly to me and Anne. And then we will do the wrapping and we'll do the delivery of it. And we've got lots of things on there. Things like basic things, socks, underwear, soap, shampoo, school supplies, um, again, shirts, jeans, uh, stuff like that. But we decided to put a few other things in there. You know, I think today's kids, because of the internet connected world, they need some kind of internet device. So we put in some Samsung A7 tablets. Those aren't cheap. I mean, they're cheap for tablets, but they're like 150 bucks. And you need them for school. Like and you really, really do. You need something like that. We put on a couple of Nintendo Switches because we know, look at the kids have some fun. Mm -hmm. We put two Nintendo Switches on the list. Well, last night, just during my weekend ask me anything video and some of you guys watch it i decided to let them know people who watch the ask me anything video i decided to give them the heads up first i said just so you guys know we launch this thing here's the wish list 52 things off the list have already been bought 52 things including awesome. two of the six tablets that we asked for yeah and somebody already ordered i think it was one of our viewers named ahmed already ordered one of the nintendo switches we're asking for two because they got six kids yeah. don't want them to fight amongst it has already bought that 52 items already bought. You guys are already blowing away the expectations from last year. So we just want to let you guys know the link is down there and available right now. You can go on there if you want to participate, maybe even get together with a couple of friends. If you, by the way, we put on this year, we're asking, I can't remember how many we're asking for, five $100 grocery store gift cards, Albertson grocery store gift cards. Like four of them are already bought. Amazing. Uh, we were putting on also a bunch for, for the things that we might forget that they might need. We're asking for 100. Yes, we're asking for $125 Amazon gift cards. Nice. A couple of those have already been purchased. So maybe you want to do something yourself for this family. Maybe you want to get together with a couple of friends and pool some money and buy something for the family. Whatever. Whether it's something big, whether it's something small, whatever it is, we as a community cannot change the entire world, but we can change the world for one family by giving them one incredible day. And so you guys blew our expectations out of the water last year. Let's do it again this year. And uh, we're really excited about it. Well, I'll bring it up again a little bit later in the show, but uh, that's what we're doing. The link is in the just at the very, very top of the description below. Please participate this year. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get things started here with a couple of off the tops. And our first off the top is this. Now, of course, you guys know that Discovery bought HBO and bought Warner Brothers, which is still confounding to me because you would think it would be the other way around. <laughs> you would think that Warner Brothers would buy Discovery, but no, Discovery bought Warner Brothers. Now, they announced a little while ago that their two premium streaming services, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, which by the way, I really like Discovery Plus. It's great. I, I watch it almost every night, at least something on it but they're merging them together. So the question a lot of people have had is, what's the name of it going to be? HBOvery. HBOvery, <laughs> that works. 
It's kind of better than the one they're talking about. Sounds like television you can only watch in a gynecologist's office. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Good old HBO. So, the, oh my God. All right. So uh, some people thought they would just keep the name HBO Max. Uh, some people would thought they would call it straight up HBO Discovery. Uh, some people thought of different things. Well, according to a report coming out of CSNBC, they're saying that right now, they are leaning towards the name, the name of the streaming service between HBO and Discovery, Max. Just Max. Now, this comes from the folks at The Verge who wrote this. When HBO Max and Discovery Plus merge into a single app next spring, the new platform will simply be called Max. That's according to a report from CNBC, which notes that while a final decision hasn't been made, Max is the likely choice. It is being vetted by Warner Brothers, Discovery's legal team. Uh, the lawyers are also mulling over other potential names, according to the report. And the combined streaming service has been given a codename Beam internally. Uh, the reasoning for the Max name is simple. Warner Brothers Discovery wants HBO to fit into its huge stable of content without overshadowing programming from Discovery, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, CNN, and more. Okay, so... Now, I will say this. Max is better. Uh, 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 one of our, my business consultant thought maybe that the name should be just Disco and you can have bright <laughs> colors. And I'm like, you know, you're a brilliant guy in business, but that's no. You, can, you, you They named this thing Disco. The memes would start flying. Um, Max is a terrible name. Is it as bad as Peacock? No, it's not as bad as Peacock. But Max is a bad name, number one, just because it's such a generic word Yeah, uh, that's being used by everything and everybody. You have Staples and Staples Max. You have Pfizer and Pfizer Mask Max. You have like, like everybody's putting Max on everything. So it's just too generic of a term, in my opinion. The other big problem that I have with this naming is this. I understand that you don't want to have one property overshadow everything else. But the reality, HBO is a legendary, revered name and brand in the entertainment space. HBO is a name that has come to represent excellence, top quality, awards, all that kind of stuff. It is a legacy title. And I never would have guessed and I never would have thought that out of whatever name they came up with, that straight up removing the HBO part out of the name, I'll be straight up. It's asinine. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Now, you know me. I'm a big, big David Zaslav fan. I, I love every move he has made, even the ones that some people think is unpopular. Give it two years. You'll all see. But I, even though even the unpopular ones, I can't help but be a fan because everything he's done is stuff I've been saying they should do for a long time. So obviously I'm a big fan of him. But this, first of all, just the name Max is a bad generic name anyway. Removing the prestige name and brand of HBO off the service. So what? It doesn't overshadow the other content? Listen, you got to think more than what's going to happen tomorrow. You got to think as Where's this brand going to be three years from now? It's all just going to be considered HBO whatever. 
whether it's discovery content, whether it's DC content, whatever, we're all just going to identify it under the brand it's at. Not one thing is going to overshadow another. So I got to say, I think this is the first big goof up on their part. Calling this thing Max is just dumb. Now, the report is very specific in saying they haven't, they are still looking at other things. This, the decision hasn't been finalized. And listen, I said this about Keith Peacock. I'll say it here about Max. At the end of the day, the name of the service doesn't ultimately really matter. It, it, it's just a name. But like if your name is Clint Eastwood and you're still making movies, don't change your name to Chuck Boris. The name Clint Eastwood carries a respect and a gravitas and an instant recognizability that that name is associated with excellence. You don't just change your name to Chuck Boris for whatever. Keep HBO in the name title. Max is a stupid generic title. I hope they. I hope David Zaslav, Alan Horn, everybody over there at Warner Brothers Discovery sees this video and hears me plead with you. This would be a stupid move. It's a stupid title. Please don't do it. Anyway, Chris, you hear they're talking about changing the name of this merged company. Well, not mer merged company. This merged streaming service mm -hmm. of HBO Max and Discovery simply to Max. Am I missing some of the pros here? What do you think? No, I, I love that you said that this seems very goofy because my first thought was like, like Goofy Sun Max. That's what they're naming it. What? Yes, perfect. What? <laughs> like Stranger Things Max. What? Why are we doing this? Uh, home box office. That's what HBO stands for. And that is what we have come to expect is a cinematic movie like experience in your own home. And I feel like that isn't something that could overshadow other properties. Excellence doesn't overshadow, it sets a standard. And when we think about HBO, we think about all these different prestige shows, you know? We think about Game of Thrones, we think about the movies that come to them, we think about award winners. You know, it's a, a, fab, a fabulous streaming service that has excellent, excellent content on it. Max just seems so blah, for lack of a better term. It is just this generic word that I think really takes away from the excellence that we have come to know and love from HBO. I don't know why you wouldn't just go to HBO Plus if you just do something. I, I, I mean, and, and listen, I, I could get the criticism that, well, everything's calling itself Plus. Yeah. True, but that almost puts it into a category that's recognizable. Like so many of the streaming services now use the word something, something plus yeah. that it becomes recognizable that we're talking about their premium streaming service. So mm -hmm. there's even something to be said there. Again, listen, if they change this name to Max, which is stupid. But if they do, it is not going to sink the company. It's not going to sink the streaming service. I just think it's a really, really bad move. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this, about the name Max for the HBO Max and Discovery Plus merge streaming service? I think it's ridiculous. But listen, I've only been thinking about this for a couple of hours. Maybe you guys can think of some benefits and some advantages that we haven't considered yet. If so, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to take a second here and thank one of the sponsors of our video. They got to keep in the Christmas season. Keep the pumpkin shaved, guys. Our friends at Manscaped. <laughs> guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% 
20% off. And this year I am so thankful for Manscaped because like most of you guys, I used to use Neanderthalic Dark Age methods to trim my balls. Not anymore, thanks to Manscaped. It's time for all of us to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code CAMPIA. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And thank you to our friends at Manscaped for giving us a very smooth Christmas. All right, guys. Oh, I... Jingle those bells. Jingle the... Yeah. Jingle the bells with our friends at Manscaped. All right, guys. With that down, yeah, let's got, go into I've another off the top here, Christmas shall we? And that one is this. You know, one of the the films that was one of the more disappointing films to me in my lifelong movie fandom journey was the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out a number of years ago. Um, and because I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons with my with my friends and stuff like that my very first character was a wizard because i don't have a lot of creativity i named my wizard zap because he would shoot lightning bolts a lot Aww. yes his name was zap zap the wizard shut up max. so that was max. <laughs> it was zap max that was the name of his full name zap max was his full name so and that one was i mean the one with jeremy irons was so bad Ugh. it was so unbelievably bad now, then they announced that they were doing a new one here. We got Chris Pine leading it. You have Michelle Rodriguez in there. You got Jean-René Jar 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 Jar. Regé Jean Page, is that his name? Sure. We'll go with that. Him, the guy from... Uh, from Bridgerton. The, the Bridgerton, yeah. yes. The Bridgerton and the girl boy. from It. And the girl who's very good, girl from It. I mean, listen, they put together a pretty good cast. I'm particularly fond of Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. So when I saw them attached, I'm like, all right. But still, I mean, I don't know how you're going to make something good out. Then that first trailer came out. And I was like, you know what? This actually looks like it could be kind of fun. Well, now they've released a new behind the scenes kind of featurette going like kind of going as a two minute long little featurette talking about the movie and the characters in the movie and all that kind of stuff. And they've released a brand new poster for it as well that has come out, which you can take a look at here. Now, this poster looks a little 2005 to me. Not the greatest poster, not the worst poster. It's a poster. A lot of contractually obligated people get to be on the poster. Uh, you know, I mean, that's fine. It, it's fine. The poster's fine, whatever. But the footage we saw from it and hearing them talk about it is kind of making me fall in love with this movie a little bit. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when I'm watching this, you know what? It reminds me a lot of when I was watching Vox Machina. The thing about Vox Machina and the thing about what I see in, in the trailers and in the footage that we're getting out of Dungeons and Dragons is this feels like me and my friends are playing Dungeons and Dragons. That That's what it feels like. It, it doesn't feel like a Lord of the Rings movie, which it, they should not go for. Correct. It feels like you and a couple of buddies sitting around on a Friday night with 
some pizza, dice, paper, and pencils, and beer. And not that I drink beer, but... And it feels like a game that we would legitimately and honestly play. The way they would talk, the dialogue between them feels like what we playing the game would say if we were in that situation. That's one of the reasons why Vox Machina worked so well for me. It just, it really immersed me into Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I just saw this and I thought, you know what? I am totally on board for this. Now, I don't know how people who didn't play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons or don't play Dungeons and Dragons will feel about this, but this is getting me more and more intrigued. And I actually reached out to my buddy, Kyle Newman, of course, director of Fanboys, and him and Joe Manganiello are, are doing and directing and producing a new Dungeons and Dragons documentary. And I asked him, what did you think about it? Because I'm really good. He said, you know what? It actually looks really good. Yeah. And I thought he might say that being a Dungeons and Dragons player. So surprisingly, despite my initial skepticism, this thing is really kind of winning me over. And it looks like Chris Pine is having an absolute blast doing this movie. So you know what? I don't know if the movie's going to end up being good or not. Who knows? But right now, the tone of it, the feel of it, the nature of it, making it feel like a legitimate Dungeons & Dragons game, it's won me over. I'm excited for this thing. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to watch this behind-the-scenes featurette, see the new poster. Where are you at right now with this Dungeons & Dragons movie? Oh, I'm even more excited. This looks so freaking fun. I'm so <laughs> excited because when we first saw the footage at CinemaCon, right, they won me over with Gelatinous Cube and the Mimic right away. Oh, yeah. Of just, okay, you guys know what you're doing, and this looks like a good time. And to your point, too, it does feel more like that kind of fun campaign style that you want to be a part of, right? When you have a DM who takes themselves too seriously and it gets too oh, highbrow, oh, it's a slog. Ruins a game. It's so not fun. Whereas you know, when, when my friends play, my friend Mishu will try to do things like, my character's going to invent karaoke um, and, and just do weird stuff like that. And that's when you have fun stuff is when it goes off the rails. And this feels like it goes off the rails a lot, which I'm here for. Hugh Grant looks real fun in this. I love that in this featurette, we see a lot of the practical effects used too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That, that was huge. Like for those of you guys who didn't see the feature, what Chris is talking about is they actually show that, yeah, there's going to be CGI and of course you have drags, but... A lot of the creatures, they decided to go straight up practical effects with uh, animatronics mm -hmm. and costumes and stuff like that. And I was blown away by that because I didn't recognize that just watching the trailer. Same. And so I'm sure it's going to be kind of a blend of both things, right? We for sure know like the owl bear is CGI and everything because of that transformation process. But it's really cool to see people go back to that because for me personally, I love that kind of stuff. I'm obviously a diehard Muppets fan, but anytime you have practical effects, I think it just also makes your actors be able to immerse themselves better. And what more do you want in Dungeons and Dragons than believable immersion and really committing to your environment and the wackiness of that space? So I think that's going to really add to this too. Here's a question, though. Mm -hmm. So you have played in role-playing games with me. Yes. Ray plays in our Dungeons & Dragons group. I obviously play a lot of role-playing games. Okay, so the we're the audience. Mm -hmm. The one thing I am curious about, though, is how is the vast majority of the movie, average movie-going audience who does not play Dungeons & Dragons, never has played Dungeons & Dragons, maybe their only exposure to Dungeons & Dragons was that 1980s Tom Hanks movie, Mazes & Monsters. Oh, no. And they, that's their only understanding of what Dungeons & Dragons that is. That lovely cautionary tale. Oh, my God. That movie is so... <laughs> anyway, if you, guys, look it up. Mazes & Monsters, Tom Hanks. I think it's his first starring role. Something you'll slap your forehead over a hundred times. But <laughs> here's my question. Is, are the trailers that we've seen and this featurette that we're seeing and the poster that we're seeing, is this going to appeal to the average moviegoer? Because I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I know why it's clicking for me. 
I know why I'm interested in it, but I don't know if those same reasons will appeal to other people. Is this movie going to attract an audience? You know, honestly, I think it will, just because I think it's not too inside baseball. There are things for those of us who have played the game, right, where we go, oh, fun, I've done this in my campaigns before too, or I understand that trope. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Chris Pine is a bard. There are those moments for us, but I think the comedy in this that they've shown at least in the trailers works really, really well. I think because it's not taking itself seriously too, people will be more... Um, they'll find it more approachable you know i know a lot of my friends who have thought about doing D are very intimidated by the process and learning all the rules and all of that mm, yeah. and i think you don't want to go into a movie oh i gotta learn these rules i gotta better go get a, a little uh you know a dungeon master guy yeah, i gotta go get that uh version five version here and figure everything out but i think this is really really fun and enjoyable and i think most people will go to it just because of the level of comedy and the star power in it too i think a lot of people who maybe wouldn't see it a dungeons and dragons movie initially will go for Chris Pine or they will go for Hugh Grant. Well, and considering the popularity of Bridgerton, oh, I'm surprised they're not leaning a little bit more into Jean-Jean, René Bergeron. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to call him Jean Valjean from now Jean on. Jean. I yeah. don't know why they're not leaning more into him a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, all right, guys, question is for you. What do you think? Have you had a chance to watch this featurette of Dungeons and Dragons? If so, what did you think about it? Were you or are you a D&D &D player? Did it appeal to you? Are you somebody who's never played D&D? &D? And if so, I'm curious, has the marketing material appealed to you or not? I'm really curious about that. Whatever you guys feel, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to one of my favorite segments of the show, our Mint Mobile Hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show asking it, just call our hotline anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. Leave your voice message there and then you just might hear it on our show. So what's in our hotline question here today? Hey, John, this is Alan. I recently saw an article in which Zoe Zodana said she felt artistically stuck after working on franchises like Marvel and, and Avatar for about 10 years, with multiple Avatar sequels in the works right now, do you think this means we could see her character either just completely eliminated from the franchise, or do you think they would just recast at that point she didn't want to do it anymore? Thanks, and love to hear your thoughts. All right, thanks a lot for calling that in. And yeah, it's funny, because I've gotten a lot of messages about this. So basically what's happened here is this, is that Zoe Saldana did an interview, I think, with a, a women's magazine, and she basically talks about how she has felt stuck for a number of years being in these franchise and that she, creatively she's felt stuck that she hasn't really been able to grow the way she wants to grow. Now, as what often happens with online movie fandom, and we're all guilty of this, let's not pretend we're not, we're all guilty of this. But what as often happens with us in movie fandom, a headline gets read and that's it. And the headline, it's a sexy headline. Zoe Saldana says she's been stuck in the MCU or stuck in Avatar or which they've made one Avatar movie in 13 years, but or have been stuck in these franchises. And they just kind of run with that. The whole context of her comments puts it a little bit better, paints a, better, a little bit of a better picture, which is she talks about the fact that she loves these franchises. She's super grateful and appreciative of what they've afforded her to be able to do, but... They kind of changed her habits a little bit, and she blames herself for that. She doesn't blame the franchises. She blames herself that they changed her habits and her approach to her work a little bit, which has limited her ability to grow. She does point out that being so committed to franchises like Star Trek, MCU, uh, Avatar, has 
to some degree limited some of the other roles she's been able to take. Um, Wanda Maximoff, Elizabeth Olsen. She had the same thing. She said the exact same mm-hmm. thing, that that there have been times that there were really tasty-looking roles that she had to pass on because she had commitments to the franchises, right? I think in the absence of Zoe Saldana over the years and even in this same interview, gushing about how she appreciates these franchises, she knows she's blessed to be in these franchises, she's enjoyed them, I think maybe she would come across as a little bit ungrateful and spoiled and diva-ish. But the fact of the matter is, she has talked for years about how much she loves playing Gamora, about how she, her fellow castmates have become family to her on the different franchises she's done, recognizing that certain opportunities have opened themselves up for her because she is in these franchises. And the fact that she puts a lot of the blame on herself and her own work habits as a result of the success of the franchises. So in that light, I think what she said is totally reasonable because here's the thing. You can be both incredibly grateful and recognize how great it has been that you've been in these franchises and recognize that 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 success comes with a price tag, that it might change you a little bit as a performer, that it might limit some of the other opportunities you can get. That is actually true. That is true. It's like saying, I said this on my... um, Ask Me Anything stream last night. I said this. I said, you can on one hand say, I love ice cream. I love ice cream so much. It's amazing. And then on the other hand say, ice cream is really unhealthy for me and it kind of makes me fat. Both are true. (laughs) Both are absolutely (laughs) true. So listen, she is not looking to get out of the MCU. She's not looking to get out of Avatar. They don't need to write her character out. I mean, the the plan might have been might be to write her character out after Avatar 3 or Avatar 4. Who knows? The plan might be to kill off Gamora for a second time in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I mean, that could all be a part of the plan, but nothing in her statements to me suggests that she's looking to get out and she hates that she's been stuck in this thing. If you read the full context, I think what she said is perfectly reasonable. Anyway, Chris, you heard Zoe Saldana's comments. As a working professional in the entertainment industry yourself, how did you interpret it? I mean, it's definitely not a scorched earth kind of comment, right? Right. It's not her just burning every bridge with Disney and Marvel and everything. Um, You know, it's about creative fulfillment a lot of times, too. And the best thing for a worker, uh, an actor to be is working, right? Consistency is not normal in our lives. And to have consistency is very, very cool and sought after. (laughs) However... You sometimes then, like you were saying, have to pass on other things that might be more passion projects, that might be really, really amazing things that would stir you as a performer, you know? And I would say that every person goes through that too in life. Are you always fulfilled by your job every single moment of every single day that you're doing it? Maybe not. There's probably days. There might be a day where John Campia wakes up and is like, God, I don't want to talk about movies today. I really don't. I just want to hang out with my wife and go see a Jonas Brothers concert. Maybe that Oh, my God. You know? (laughs) But I think that, you know, when you have these very, very tight schedules that come with a lot of physical training, a lot of things that you have to do on the pre-production side, the production side as well, all of the marketing of the film afterwards, too, that takes up a lot of your time. And she's been playing this role since, what, 2014? That's a long time to be playing, you know, in one franchise or to be continuing to work on Avatar, things like that. Um, We know from James Gunn that this is the last iteration of this group of Guardians. So we already know there's going to be changes. And we already know, too, that this is a different Gamora who might not want to hang out with these guys. So I think we'll probably continue to see her in Marvel, but maybe she'll take a a backseat in the future. I think she's a tremendous performer. She's incredible. I, I, I love her. Although I... Anne made me sit down and watch a little bit. She's got a Netflix series out From right scratch. now. Yeah. 
awful. Really? Just terrible. It's got 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I, I know. Anne told me that the other day because I was watching a bit with with Anne. And I couldn't even, I couldn't sit down and watch it anymore. And then I, Anne was talking to me about it probably just a, a few weeks ago. She said, oh yeah, I've got through about five or six of the episodes. She goes, I couldn't, I couldn't keep watching it. It was so terrible. Dang, I've got that one on my queue. Yeah. I mean, I, mm. I don't know. Listen, there, I, didn't I mean, like I watch Blade Hallmark Runner. movies, so I, I didn't know. like Blade Runner. So what do I know? I mean, yeah. so there's anyway, guys, <laughs> question is for you. What do you think about these comments we're hearing from Zoe Saldana? I, I think they're absolutely accurate, but also balanced out with all the incredible things she said about her experiences in these franchises. I don't know. Maybe you interpret it differently. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, before we get into our main topics here, we're going to take a break and thank another one of our sponsors. You know, if I'm going to be at my best every day, I got to get the right nutrition. I certainly am eating it properly, so I got to get that nutrition from our friends at Athletic Greens. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Athletic Greens. Now, I started taking Athletic Greens because I don't eat enough vegetables, and I was looking for a way to make up for that deficit in my diet of those vitamins and minerals that I really need in my system, and thank goodness I found Athletic Greens, and I literally take it every morning. You see, with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptive to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all the things. And my wife got onto it and now she absolutely loves it. You know, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb like Athletic Greens. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash campia. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash campia to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thank you to our friends at Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show and making sure I don't die of scurvy. All right. With that down, guys, <laughs> let's now move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics <laughs> here on the John Campy Show? Well, that's easy. That's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, <laughs> sorry, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from John Lee. Hey, Gampia crew. On Saturday night, Amazon Prime Video released the teaser trailer for the new boy spinoff show, Gen V. I thought the trailer looked pretty good and looks to be just as bloody as the main series. It does feature some characters from the boys like A-Train and Ashley, but it also shows that Clancy Brown will be on the show playing a new character in the spinoff. What'd you think of the trailer? All right, John Lee, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, ever since they announced that they were going to be doing this boys spinoff about a university where young up-and-coming soups go to learn their powers, 
And it was going to be about just the debauchery that happens at a school like that. Um, I was sold. Look, you guys know, if you watch this show for any period of time, I love the boys. I love that show so much. It, it continues to be, you know, it pushes the limits of gratuitousness, but at the same time, it it's deep and it has real incredible issues in it. And the character development, the depth of the character and the complexity of their relationships is fantastic and wonderful, all wrapped in this deliciously bloody, over-sexualized, whatever veneer that is just awesome. Both a deconstruction and a reconstruction of the whole superhero genre in and of itself. I love this show deeply. So any kind of a spinoff is going to get my attention. And once they talked about this, a whole thing about a university, college kids are just screwing each other all over the place and killing each other all over the place. I'm like, all right, sure. So this first trailer drops. Two very big things to me. Number one is Clancy Brown. Yes. Clancy Brown is, he to me is, if there was a Hollywood Hall of Fame and there was a wing for the horrifically underappreciated, Clancy Brown is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Clancy Brown carries a power, and by the way, one hell of a animated voice actor as so well. Talented. His Lex Luthor? His Come Lex on. Luthor oh. is like, premium mm -hmm. but you know you go back to one of my top 10 everybody knows that the the most the one film in my top 10 list of all time that makes people go what is highlander and clancy brown is the kurgan but he's also he is in two of my top 10 all-time favorite films really highlander and shawshank redemption oh he is so brilliant that's range right there that's that is super <laughs> range right there I mean, I love this guy. And to see that he is going to be in it excites me. But the second thing was this. They made sure you knew from watching five seconds of this promo, this is definitely the boys' universe. It is bloody. Oof. There's going to be a lot of violence. There's going to be a lot of debauchery. There's going to be a lot of filthy. And you know what? Sign me up. And they also reminded us very quickly that this is the boys' universe. So you got A-Train in there. You got Ashley, who this last season of the boys... I've suddenly become very interested in the Ashley. Killed it. <laughs> when she's having sex with the director in the bathroom, she's like, pull out my hair. I'm like, what? Oh. This character is nuts. And I'm, <laughs> I'm there for it. I love it. So I got to tell you, I am all on board for this show. I love the promo. I cannot wait for this thing to come out. And by the way, I didn't notice. I have no idea. Does anybody in the room know this? What comes out first? Gen V or The Boys Season 4? Oh, I'm not sure. I know I, they're going to run Tyler, at the same time. Mm -hmm. Taylor can you run well, concurrently. Like, yeah, supposedly that's the plan. Yeah, like, so that's concurrently. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's going to be so great. So, so after like, shows are going to be great. <laughs> on one day you're watching the now they're not going to drop on the same night, are they? I don't believe so. Yeah, because because Amazon doesn't function like Disney Plus does, where all premium content drops no, Tuesday. No, they midnight. usually have it different days. Oh my but, God, that's going to be so awesome! Like, I wonder if they're going to have interconnected stories. That's what I'm hoping with these other characters coming through. All right. Chris, you saw the promo for Gen V. By the way, I people start writing to me, John, did you see the trailer for Gen V? I had no idea what they're talking about. I did not know this was the name of the new series. So anyway, what did you think about what you saw? I was very confused what this show was. And then I was like, oh, the boys spinoff, because that's what it's been called for this last uh, few months. I honestly was not excited about this show going into this. It was, I don't care about collegiate superheroes in the world of the boys. I, I don't care about it. Just give me the boys. And then I saw this trailer and it changed my tune. <laughs> Blood tentacles, John. Blood I tentacles. I never would have thought. Never would have thought. 
what in poo perfect heaven? Why? Why? I'm so interested to see how that girl's powers work. Why those are her powers. It this just looks like a, a massacre. Every scene, every frame of this is just fraught with blood. And I'm here for it. The hyper stylized violence of the boys is my jam. Um, I really, really am excited about this one. I think it's going to be fun. Taylor, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I, I've never asked you because I know you watch a lot of stuff, but uh -huh. do you watch the boys? I love the boys. It oh, was so good. much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know until right now when I looked it up that they're going to be airing it concurrently. That blows my mind because I was wondering when is this going to take place? Because we see Ashley, we see A-Train. I cannot wait. And uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger is going to be one of the main characters. I am so excited. I to did not know this. that. Yeah. Ooh. You see like one very quick glimpse of him in the trailer, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him in it. All right, guys. Question is for you. What did you think about this trailer for Gen V, the boys spinoff? I, it's kind of everything I was kind of hoping it would be. Now, again, like anything else, we don't know if the show's going to be any good. Maybe it's going to be a big bag of crap. We have no idea. But I thought the trailer was kind of great. What did you guys think about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris. What is our second main topic today? So excited about this one. This is from Alex Pitt. The Last of Us is my all-time favorite game, and the second is brilliant no matter what anyone says. Hard to agree, buddy. I even have a tattoo from the game on my arm. That's wow. how much I love it. Anyway, the first official trailer for the upcoming TV adaptation has dropped, and it literally gave me goosebumps. My hype has never been higher. What did you think of the trailer? Thanks, and have a great day. All right, Alex. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And, you know, ever since they, there's been a number of levels of hype that have been surrounding the show. Number one, they announced it and everybody got super, super excited. Number two, they got the cast, which got everybody again, super excited. Number three, the person running this show is the person who gave us Chernobyl. Maybe the greatest limited series of the past decade. And I say that with no hyperbole. I mean, that very well could be the best limited series of the decade, that show. Won a ton of Emmy Awards, deserved every single one that it got. Then the first kind of teaser came out, and we we're all like, that looks pretty good. And now this trailer drops. Look, take out of it the fact that it's based on the video game The Last of Us. Pretend that video game doesn't exist. It, that this show is being dropped in a complete void. Everything about this show looks delicious. From the casting, the showrunner, the trailer itself looks phenomenal. I mean, everything about it, and you're watching it. And again, this is going back to the HBO thing. Guys, do not take HBO out of the name of your service. But HBO delivers a level of excellence at a consistency that no other streamer has been able to match. Not Disney+, Plus, not Netflix, not Amazon Prime. And they all are great. They all have their, their pros. But nobody delivers... The type of like, it, it's kind of like the moment you watch a trailer, like if you never heard of this show and you just watch this trailer and then I were to say to you, what streaming service do you think this is on? You Nine out of 10 people would probably instantly say HBO. Yep. It's got that HBO feel to it, that level of excellence, that gravitas to it. It's one of the things I love about Andor is that it totally feels, I've always said, it feels like Star Wars on HBO. And then you add on top of that, if you know the game and Everything about this just screamed must watch, must watch, must experience, must consume immediately. 
This looks great. Now, I know there were some people who were like, well, he doesn't look like Joel from the video game. Who the fuck cares? That ain't going to make the show one ounce better or worse. Like, Neither you, does the actor who played him in the video game. Yeah. <laughs> they created that character yeah. with graphics. It's I mean, it just, it's just, who cares? Nobody gives a shit, okay? It doesn't matter one score to piss. They've got a world-class actor in here who's going to play this role and he's going to kill it. And this thing just looks so bloody good. And The Last of Us, to me, the, the stories of both The Last of Us games are, I believe, the two best narrative stories ever done in, in video games. Better than Red Dead, better than God of War, better than Uncharted. Uh, just the pure narratives are the best. And you bring it to life like this. When does it launch? January 15th? Right. Is, January 15th is when it launches? Yeah. My God, that, that date cannot get here fast enough. I am drooling for this show. I cannot wait to watch this thing. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to watch it. Mm -hmm. Where has your anticipation level been, and what has this trailer done for that? I'm, I feel like this is just all our stuff today are things I'm so hyped for. <laughs> I'm just like vibrating. I'm so excited. Um, I love these games. I love them so Look, much. Look, Groot. Um, hey, buddy. Oh, the clickers. <laughs> I can't play this game at night. My husband and I will not play it when it's dark out because we're scaredy cats. Um, and Logan, actually, I don't think finished the games, and I had to like go through and do cutscenes and everything without him. But I love these. I think they're incredible. Um, this all looks beautiful beautiful my friend who has never played the games we were watching the trailer and she oh my gosh this looks amazing the people who did chernobyl i definitely have to check this out um taylor and i were watching it at our buddy uh scott and tanya's house and i started screaming because you see ashley johnson and troy baker show up in this too the voices of ellie and joel yep. who also did all their mocap work as well and when you have to do motion capture as an actor you have to have so much control over your your whole body and your face and they gave just such knockout performances. So I also think it's just a really, really lovely thing to have those two actors featured in this show too. Um, in what looks like they're gonna be very important roles. We see Ashley giving birth to a baby who maybe is, you know, Allie. Um, you know, we see Troy, he's with all these other guys with guns. He's gonna be a big part of this too, it looks like. So I'm really interested to see where this goes. And it just looks stunning. What a good year to be Pedro Pascal. I assume it's always going to be oh a good year to be him, but Mando and this, like, come on, man. But he's, like, the thing about Pedro Pascal, he has quietly amassed over the past five, six years, one of the most impressive resumes mm -hmm. out there, which is very quietly. Like, he's just, oh, he's in this, and he's this, and people don't even realize it. The, the dude's phenomenal. He's I can't so wait. so talented. So good. Guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see this trailer for Last of Us? If so, what did you think about it? Where's your anticipation level? Maybe you are dying to watch this. Maybe it doesn't interest you at all. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Lawrence Mundale. Good morning, John. So I was pretty saddened a few weeks back when I heard that the test screenings for Indiana Jones 5 went really bad and no one liked it. Also that Phoebe Waller-Bridge takes up the iconic hat at the end and the test audiences hated that too. But the director, James Mangold, just said all of that is BS. What do you think of his comments and why do people make up stories like this? All right, Lawrence, thanks a lot for sending that in. Yeah, so you guys will remember that a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week or two, three weeks ago, I can't remember exactly how long, this story started going out and it was making the rounds that there had been a bunch of test screenings for Indiana Jones five, whatever it's called. It was the dial of destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm just gonna call it Indy five that they, a bunch of test screens for happened for, with Indiana Jones five and they showed it to all these different test audiences 
with four different endings and that all the audiences hated all of it and that it ends with Phoebe, Phoebe, however Phoebe, Waller-Bridge. Phoebe taking Indy's hat and putting on his hat at the end and all this kind of stuff. Well, and everybody just ate that up. Problem was, it was all a lie. But nobody ran with the fact that it got debunked. Uh, I talked to somebody at Disney, closely connected to the situation, who just straight up said, yeah, there haven't been any test screenings. It's not that the audiences didn't react badly to it. Hear me clearly. There were no test screenings. There just, there just weren't any. Um, period. End of story. There haven't been any. And But again, that didn't go around. There are still a lot of people out there who believe this this lie that got floated out there. That there's, Now, listen, I don't know if this movie's going to be any good or not. Like, for all I know, this thing could be as great as The Last Crusade. It could be as crappy as Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I have no idea if the movie's good or not. I'm going to watch it, and we'll see how it is. But, yeah, there were no test screens. They did not happen. They, did, they don't exist. Anyway... It kind of got brought up to director James Mangold, the incredible director who made Logan, who made a Ford v. Ferrari, which, oh my God, I love Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, just His list is incredible. So it kind of got kind of brought up to him about, you know, oh, what do, you, what do you think about all these people saying all this kind of stuff? And this is what James Mangold said. Uh, this comes to us from the folks uh, over at IndieWire, quoting James Mangold. He said this, one more time, No one is taking over or replacing Indy or donning his hat, nor is he being erased through some contrivance, Mangold wrote. And he never was. Not not in any cut or script, but trolls will troll. That's how they get their clicks, he continued. And please, don't exhaust me pointing out how once in a while a troll is right. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. All one has to do is look at the set photos and interviews, and you get enough info to make wild guesses about a movie's plot. Mangold went on to explain that his main grievance isn't with the false information, but with cynical voices trying to monetize fans' outrage over something that isn't even happening. The difference between trolling assholes and everyone else is that they're trying to make money off of your feelings about other films and culture war politics, he wrote. They push controversial guesses as coming from quote-unquote sources to, to gin up clicks. Let it go. Uh, this is coming from Logan director James Mangold. All right. Let's, this is a lot, there's a lot of ground here to cover. Um, first of all, I like the fact that he just comes out and straight up debunks a bunch of the specific things that were being said. about. Again, number one, there were no test screens. Number one, she doesn't don Indy's hat. And whatever, all this kind of nonsense. There weren't four different endings shot to this. There never was, never has been, never will be. So there's that. But he does bring up something very interesting, something that I kind of touched on a little while ago. The, the proliferation of the hate sites has been exponential because people have found out that putting out blind, mindless hate content gets a lot of clicks it does and so now you have this entire sub industry of hundreds of podcasts and youtube channels and and blogs and stuff like hundreds of them that all they do when you go to their blogs or 
YouTube channels, whatever, and you look down all the blog posts or all the YouTube videos, every single one is some kind of hate video. You'd never guess or be able to tell. What is it these people love? You'd never be able to guess it. And the funny thing is, is you start reading a lot of these blogs and stuff like that. You start realizing, I don't even think half these people believe this. What you've got is an entire sub-industry of shills. They shill for hate, click, for hate clicks. They will even say things they don't even think or even believe as long as it'll push the anger button in people and drum up culture war politics. They will literally sell their mothers to get some of those hate clicks to the point that they don't even care. They'll just make shit up and put it out. Now, listen, this is coming from a guy that, you know, I'm not afraid to tell you I hated Rise of Skywalker. I'm not afraid to tell you I hated Obi-Wan. I'm not afraid to tell you I didn't like Book of Boba Fett and I'm not all that thrilled with this, that, or the other thing. I'm not afraid to say that. But, but again, at the same time, you, you get it. I've never heard a filmmaker, though, articulate it so perfectly as James Mangold just did. But I get it. Listen, my favorite video that I have on my YouTube channel is a video I did a number of years ago where I was the keynote speaker at this big leadership conference. And the name of the video is Why Movies Matter. And it's me giving this eight-minute speech about why I think movies matter, why I think they're important, why I think movies are wonderful and, and something that can unite the world and bring people of different ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, sexual orientation backgrounds, whatever, can bring people together. You can get people from all over the world who are totally different from each other, sit them down at the table and say, okay, topic, Lord of the Rings. And these people can all find common ground and talk and then have this great conversation. Movies matter. But here's the thing. That video of mine, I think it's got like 17,000 views. 17,000 views. Whereas you go to some random angry rant video I have, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 views, right? So I get it. I do. It's like Yoda, Yoda always said, like the dark side is not stronger. No, but it's easier. It's more seductive. I mean, it, it gets there. So, I mean, I totally get what he's getting for. The, the way to combat this, though, is not to get people who are profiteering and making money off of hate rage. You're never going to change that. Never going to change that. Because again, I get the appeal. I do. So you're never going to change that. The way you combat stuff like that is by better educating the movie-going audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key. I think that's one of the things that James Mangold is trying to point out. It's like, look, these people are just making shit up with nothing to base it on, and other people are just eating it up. But it is anyway, Chris, you're seeing James Mangold. He's clearly getting really fed up with this. Yeah, um, rightly so. But I don't know, what do you make from his comments? I mean, I think he nailed it on the head. You know, when, when I first started working for you in our first interviews, one of the things we talked about was why would I want to come here? And I'm, I'm a very happy person. And I hated that a lot of times I was baited into doing videos that would have a very negative skew on them that I didn't agree with, or that my videos would be titled with something clickbaity. And a lot of people then don't watch those videos. They look at the title and go, oh, well, now this is a real thing. And now we have to talk about it. And you see it in the comments, too, of like, this is all bullshit. And they'll talk about things that you address in a video. It's wild. Why don't you guys watch the videos for these things? It's crazy to me. But I think that so many of these sites, like you were saying, just do get views for when you talk about how something is so terrible. And obviously, you know, they're there's merit to talking about something objectively. You know, if, if you're somebody who just loves everything, that's fine, but you're not doing honest reviews probably then, right? But if you are just dogging on stuff and stirring up rumors, you're not helping either. 
You know, I think that we want to try to be as we can, as objective as possible when talking about what's going down with the movie, especially before it's even in cinemas. You know, you can only report on the facts. These people are in it. This is the storyline we know. These are the things that production has told us. Until audiences actually see a movie, you can't talk about how an audience is going to react to it, you know? Yeah, I. and, and again, see, here's the whole thing about it, is that you are obviously not going to like things. There are things you don't like. Again, I've, I've just run down this big, long laundry list of just some big, high-profile stuff that I've not been all that thrilled with, whether it's Obi-Wan, uh, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are things you're not going to like, but when you go to a blog or a podcast feed or a website or a YouTube channel, whatever, and like literally nine out of every 10 things is about this sucks and this sucks and here's why this sucks and this is angry and oh, be mad and oh, be rage, rage, rage. Here's the funny thing. These BS rumors, like stuff like, oh, there were five test screenings and the audience hated it. Every time. Yeah. It'll come from one of those places. It never comes from variety. It never comes from the rap. Never comes from coming soon. It never comes. I mean, I don't like these guys, but they hate. Hey, they, they, it never comes from Collider. It never comes from, you know, CBR. It never comes from Screen Rant. It always comes from one of those sites. Whenever you see one of these big blow up, big, like BS rumor things going around. Like I remember too, like when Captain Marvel was coming out and it like shattered all kinds of box office records, had a huge opening weekend. Do you guys remember this? There was that story that started going around. It was like, well, I went to see Captain Marvel opening weekend and there was a photo, took a photo of an empty yeah. theater and ain't, nobody was here. So Disney is making, buying out seats and they're making up things. And that story spread like wild, wildfire. Now, Dan Merle did a great dive into that, finding out, oh yeah, the source of that alleged photo came from this one guy in this one social media account that has been completely bagging on the Captain Marvel months before the thing ever came out. Number one, you're never going to convince me that guy bought a ticket to go see Captain Marvel opening weekend and that that's the guy that just so happened to come across the picture of the empty theater, right? But that's the thing. These stories always come from one of those places, which should, to an educated audience, should tell you a lot of stuff. Again, that's not to say that like one of those blogs or podcast feeds or whatever, are, don't can't have some valid criticism and some valid opinions and all that kind of stuff. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, when when you start to see directors like James Mangold, like Oscar level directors like James Mangold, just starting to be completely fed up with it. I don't know. It says I mean, a lot. When you when you're dealing with something, first of all, that is big juicy IP that people have a lot of feelings about going into it. And you're also spending so much of your time and effort and blood, sweat and tears on a project to have people just dog on it before it comes out with completely unwarranted things, right? Cause there, if I hear a plot point that I'm like, Oh, that does not sound good. Or, Oh, that kind of trailer looked a little iffy. Those are things based in merit, right? But when people just pull things out of their ass, that has to be so friggin' frustrating. Yeah, especially then once it gets proliferated and gets the link shared exactly. and it all of a sudden becomes a story when it was just something. So listen, and I get it. I, I don't know, again, if Indiana Jones 5 is going to be good or not. I don't know. I'm excited for it, sure. But I was super excited for The Rise of Skywalker. Woo, I was excited for that movie. I went to the world premiere. I was there with the stars and all that. I was super excited about it. And I came walking out. I'm like, uh, yeah, this ain't it, guys. This ain't. So I get it. You can be just one. Maybe Indy 5 will suck. I'll be the first one to say if it is, if it is. But we got to start shooting down the BS stuff that comes out about all of these movies in advance. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you make of James Mangold's comments here? I think he's actually spot on. I I think no other filmmakers articulated as well as he just did. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's take a second and thank another sponsor of today's show. I was just using them this morning on my treadmill, the good folks at Raycon. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Raycon. Guys, the holiday season is upon us, so in the spirit of giving, allow me to give you my recommendation. Premium audio products from Raycon. Raycon's wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound. Anyone you gift them to will find a use for them right away. And as the person doing the gift giving, you're going to love the fact that they start at half the price of other premium audio brands. You guys know I've been using my Raycons for a long time. Every morning I get up and get on my treadmill and I love using the Raycons because they're comfortable, they fit perfectly, and most importantly, they sound great. You can find Raycon in stores now like Kohl's or Walmart, but let me tell you right now, you're always going to get the best deal at buyraycon.com slash campia. The Raycon website also offers free shipping, free returns, and buy now, pay later options, plus a 30-day happiness guarantee. So guys, right now, go to buyraycon.com slash campia to get 15% off site-wide with the code HOLIDAY, plus free shipping. That's code HOLIDAY at buyraycon.com slash campia for 15% off your Raycon purchase. Buyraycon.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Raycon for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of the video right near the top, you're going to find links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And thank you again to the folks at Raycon. All right. With that down, guys, let's now move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This is from Venice Beach Roller. Hey, John. There have been some rumors lately about Disney maybe buying Netflix. I didn't think anything of them, but The Hollywood Reporter just did a report suggesting why the rumor could be true. At the heart of it is that Netflix is only worth about half of what it was a year ago. Did you happen to read that report? And if you did, do you buy the idea that Disney could actually acquire Netflix? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, Venice Beach, thanks a lot for saying that in. And you know, it's funny how many rumors are flying around now that Bob Iger is back. Uh, looking at the number of rumors going on about either A, Disney getting bought by Apple. Remember, that was a rumor we talked about the mm -hmm. other week. But now this rumor about maybe Disney looking to buy Netflix. And that is a, a whisper and a rumor that's been going around for a little bit. Anyway, the folks at The Hollywood Reporter uh, did this really interesting article uh, right near the weekend last week, basically outlining some of the five most outrageous rumors that are going around about Disney and why they could very well have some substance to them, which was really fascinating. But the one that stuck out, stood out to me the most was this one about Netflix. And they made a pretty interesting argument about why maybe that's one we should pay a little bit of attention to. <coughs> this is what the Hollywood Reporter said. They wrote the following. Why it makes sense that Disney would buy Netflix well, acquiring Netflix would make Disney the undisputed leader in streaming, giving it access to a wider breadth of content and expanding its worldwide footprint. Disney has been growing its international expansion, but Netflix is already in more than 190 countries. Netflix stock has dropped more than 55% in the past year, which may give it a more attractive price point. Plus, 
Uh, Netflix's CEO, Reed Hastings, recently uh, signals his fondness for Bob Iger while tweeting, I had been hoping that Iger would run for president because he's amazing. And again, that comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Now, there's a couple of very, very key things in here, right? Number one, you got to recognize Bob Iger is all about Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus is Bob Iger's baby. He's the one who came up with the idea. He's the one who really brought it into existence and all that kind of stuff. He believes in Disney+. Plus. The one point that they brought up in this article, I think is incredibly poignant, is the fact that you are, forget the content, like the amount, like Disney's content library, you know, goes 10x all of a sudden if they acquire Netflix, but it's the pre-existing licenses and deals that gives them access to international markets. How many did it say they had? 190 countries? Is that what they said? 180, 190, out of whatever, territories that Netflix already has its foot in. Therefore, if Disney acquires them, they now have those regional licenses. That cannot be understated. That's huge. If you don't think that's a big deal, you don't get the streaming space because it's a very big deal that they have that. So that's the one main really interesting point that they brought up about the concept of maybe Disney buying Netflix. But the second big important point they brought up is this. Netflix is, le is worth today less than half of what it was worth a year ago. You guys are all know, and we've followed the story about how their stock has plummeted. Now, it's recovered a little bit since the big plummet, but it still sets about 50, 55% less than it did a year ago. This is a company that had its market cap set well over $200 billion before, now sits at about $130 billion. That's a significant block. That means, like, let's say you were looking to buy yourself, I don't know, a new Maserati. And it was, I don't know, what do those go for? Anything you guys know? A couple bucks, I guess. I don't know, five, let's say 500000 Ray, why don't you know the sticker price off the top of your head? <laughs> and, you know, you wanted to get one, and you're like, you know what, that's just a bit too much for me. But then you wake up the next day, it's like, oh, now it's 250000 Well, if you were on the fence about that before, you're now suddenly going, this is a deal. This is a steal, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So the price tag is far more attractive now on Netflix to acquire it straight up than it has ever been before. It brings along with it, when you buy Netflix, you buy a lot of big advantages, not just the content, but the actual access into so many more territories than Disney Plus certainly sits in. There is a synergy there that would be rather natural. Now, while the Hollywood Reporter article points out these big advantages and why something like this rumor going around that Disney could look at buying Netflix could be reasonable, they also point out a couple of other things. Number one, Disney still has not fully recovered from its acquisition of Fox, which, to remind everybody, ran them a cool $71 billion to acquire Fox. That's a lot of money. That, was, that represented at the time almost half of their market cap, their, their company value, buying Fox. Now, they have leveraged that, they have made that work, and they have made that a, probably a wise investment in getting all that content. But that was just a few years ago. Can you now turn around and buy something that is valued right now at 130 something billion dollars? Especially when right now, Disney's market cap is at about 180, 190 billion dollars. So, I mean, theoretically, could they buy Netflix? Yeah, you could and still have 60 billion to spare, which is roughly the kind of situation they put themselves in when they bought Fox. Mm -hmm. 
But that is a massive, massive price tag, even at the discounted price. So the reality is, I don't buy the, the, the rumors going around that Bob Iger is looking at buying Netflix, particularly because they're looking at cutting back on their spending right now. The fact that even at the discounted price, that purchase would represent a vast majority of their total liquidity to start with. So I get the rumor. I see why you would buy into it because of the, the territory, the content, the discounted price tag. I get all that, but it's just not something I buy into. I don't think this is something that's going to happen, to be honest with you. But anyway, Chris, you read this article. Mm -hmm. You see the case that The Hollywood Reporter does make about why this could be something that's believable. What stands out to you as the big reasons why they would buy something like Netflix and maybe the reasons they wouldn't? I mean, that low, low price tag right now, because we've been having rumors about this since 2017. Yeah. You know, Variety reported about that back in the day of, hey, maybe Bob Iger wants to make one final splash before he, you know, exits. And now he's back here. And Netflix is wildly, wildly differently priced now. But it still is that kind of name that is synonymous with streaming. And that is a buttload of content on there and gives them the opportunity to do what they've been talking about with the Disney brand too, right? The thing that Chapek started that I do think is a positive thing is maybe we don't need to be too precious with the name Disney. Maybe mm. our audience, I believe he put it as, our audience has more elasticity about what that means, right? Yeah. And so a bit more adult, and when I say adult, I don't mean, you know, gratuitous sex and violence, but something more mature is something that's capable to be put under the Disney banner. But if you're owning something like Netflix as well, they could do what they initially started doing with Hulu properties, right? Some of those darker right. Marvel things. Yeah. Netflix is absolutely a place where you can put all kinds of stuff that even could have gratuitous violence and sex should you choose to do that they have a lot of that on there already exactly so i think it's a very very tasty market for them to delve into but right now i think the house of mouse is going to focus on itself a little bit more you know disney also isn't what it used to be so i think they are going to do some internal work they're gonna they're gonna date themselves for a little bit and then they'll date somebody <laughs> Learn to love myself exactly i think that's what's going to happen here um but maybe down the line I think anything's possible, especially with Iger back. Let me throw out a wild hypothetical. Okay, let's say they do. Just, just for argument's sake. I don't believe they're going to. I don't believe that's something they're seriously considering. But let's say in this wild hypothetical that Disney buys Netflix. What do they do with Netflix? Advertise their own movies but, for but, once. But I'm wondering, do you keep operating? Do you pull a Hulu and keep operating it as its own kind of streaming service and you allow certain types of content to be on it as opposed to Disney Plus. Do you merge it in together? Do you merge Netflix in with Disney Plus and just call it Plus? Do you do you merge Netflix in with Hulu and then operate it as a, as one thing and Disney Plus as the more family friendly brand? I mean, I mean, look, neither of us think they're actually buying no. Netflix, but theoretically, for fun. If they did, what do they do with Netflix? I think the Netflix Hulu idea is nice, of bundling those two things together, because it already has fare that can skew more mature. Right. So that seems like the more natural one to do there. But honestly, the biggest thing they would do, first of all, is, is working on budgeting and marketing. Because Netflix, I mean, say what you will about Disney, but Disney barely has a real, like, claggy feel, right? Their movies make money. Even Strange Worlds is, you know... It was a loss, but it wasn't the kind of devastating loss that we've seen with Netflix, right? right? So I feel like putting it on something like Hulu that has advertisements on it, you can already lodge in your ads right there of, hey, and we also have this new rom-com on Netflix. Hey, we also have this new season of this show dropping because half the time you don't know what the hell's on this network. And let's not ignore the elephant in the room too. The other problem that Disney has to deal with is that they don't own 
Hulu outright. Correct. I, was it 25%? Is it 25% or 15% that Comcast, a lot of people don't realize this, Comcast is still a minority owner in Hulu. And I can't remember if it's 15% or 25%, but they still own a big chunk of it. So one of the other rumors going around is that Disney's going to buy out Comcast of their remaining ownership of Hulu or that they will sell off their interest in Hulu to Comcast. I can't see them doing that because they like the content on there. How much is it? Uh, 33%. Oh, it's 33%. So, so they own one third of it. So Disney is the, is the controlling owner of Hulu, but 33%. So that's got to be dealt with too. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? The Hollywood Reporter makes a pretty interesting case about why maybe that rumor going around of Disney buying Netflix could be very advantageous for Disney and could very well be true. However, there's a lot of counterpoints to that as well that leaves people like me and Chris not really believing this at all, thinking this is ever going to happen. What do you guys think about this? What would be the advantages and disadvantages? What would they do with Netflix if they did buy it? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? Um, I do really quickly want to bring up that almost all the tablets are gone on the Amazon wish list. Oh my God, really? Yeah, someone wrote in to let them us know that. So. Oh, okay. Yay, thanks, guys. We'll do, we'll do a highlight of that a little um, bit later. From Amin. Violent Night was everything I was hoping it would be. I thought it was really funny and fun, and David Harbour was great in it. No Oscars here, but a good time. I also just saw that it did much better at the box office than I thought it would, making more than Disney's Strange World did on its opening weekend. Wow. Also saw that Black Panther 2 already passed 700 million. What do you think of these two developments? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Amin. All right, so a couple of really interesting things here. Star First, Violent Night is a movie I've been dying to see. Of course, the past four and a half days for me have been a whirlwind. Like we, Ann and I hit the road to go to Vegas on Wednesday. Big conference out there, plus the the USC Pac-12 championship that we went to, got their asses handed to them by the Utah Utes. Well done, Utah. Uh, then we had to race back to LA. We're home for an hour. Race back to, to Riverside, I should say. We're there home for an hour. Then drive an hour out to LA to go to Los Angeles Comic-Con. Finally had a chance to meet Simu Liu, which Yay. is great. He autographed my Shang-Chi world premiere badge for me, which now makes that my favorite movie item that I own because I've got, I've still got my badge from the world premiere of Shang-Chi and now it's autographed by Simi, which awesome. was really, really great of him to do. I really appreciated that. Uh, and then, so basically it was an entire whirlwind. The weekend was, so I didn't get a chance to see Violent Night yet. I'm going to go see it tonight because I've been dying to watch this movie. Very excited about it. But some really interesting numbers came out of the box office this weekend. Uh, first of all, let's go over to, to my screen here for a second. First of all, let's look at Black Panther Wakanda Forever for just a moment. You're right. That movie just passed. Where is it? There it is. You might want to refresh that, Jonathan. Black Panther just passed $733 million worldwide. So it's already passed that mark at $733 million, an incredible number for it. Uh, I don't know if it's going hit, to hit a billion or not. I'm not 100% sure if it hits a billion. There's that total there right there that it's already got, which, again, is pretty incredible. It was number one at the box office again this weekend. Its growth rate, obviously, after a number of weeks, like every movie does, has slowed down a bit. But you are looking at that. And what week is it in? that? This was its fourth weekend. Now it's $733 million, So tremendous success for it. Congratulations. Here's the interesting thing. You brought this up. Uh, Strange World. And, again, I don't know why that's not that screen's not updating, Jonathan. At, at any see. rate. Strange World, if you had told me six months ago that you were going to get a Disney animated film releasing around the same time as a 
spoofy, violent Santa Claus kind of spoof movie called Violent Night. And if you were to try to tell me that Strange World, the Disney animated thing, would make less on its opening weekend than that Violent Night thing would, well, here are the numbers. That Strange World movie made $12 million in its opening weekend. A movie that they never properly marketed or advertised or told people what it was about. And, and you know, I was saying that six months ago, that why is anybody going to, why would anybody see this? They're not even telling us what it's about. They're not marketing, they're hiding it, all that kind of stuff. Violent Night made $13.3 million. Here's what makes it even more impressive. You know what the production budget of this movie was? $20 million. Oh, dang. $20 million was the production budget on Violent Night. For a big Hollywood wide release film, that is as low as it goes. I mean, yeah, you get the odd one like Invisible Man that Blumhouse figured out a way to make it for like $8 million, yeah. which was one of the biggest successes ever. But they made Violent Night for $20 bucks, And they got more than 50% of its entire production budget just on the first weekend. That is great for it. Now, of course, you know, other movies, some bigger movies will make 30, 50, 70, 100, 200 million dollars opening weekend. But for a little R-rated spoofy movie like this, if you told me this thing was going to make 13 million dollars a couple weeks ago, I would have taken that bet. I, I would have said it would have made in the high single digits, 8 million, 9 million for it to make 13 million dollars is pretty damn impressive. And I'm hearing good things. I mean, again, I'm not hearing anybody saying this is a top five movie of the year or anything like that, but most people I'm hearing from are saying this is a damn entertaining little movie, which is exactly what the trailer looked like it promised. So, hey, Chris, there's a number of interesting numbers here and facts here. Uh, number one, you know, Black Panther more well crosses $700 million, $733 million now in its fourth weekend. That... Violent Night had a better opening weekend than a Disney animated film did. That Violent Night was able to make $13.3 come in number two at the box office, only behind Black Panther on a $20 million budget. Out of all these numbers floating around, what are the ones that stand out to you the most? The Violent Night one. I mean, gay for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, because I am so excited to see that this has got legs, that people are continuing to go see this movie. That's great. Violent Night, though. I think this is great because I love a campy movie. So I'm really, really excited to see this just really, really blowing off the doors here. Um, I haven't gotten to see this. This is what I might go do now today since I, I have a free afternoon. But Taylor's gone to see it twice <laughs> and has warned me about the eye violence in it. So I appreciate it. Today. Thank you. Um, but I'm really excited about this one. It just looks so fun and goofy. David Harbour, when he gets to do just kind of whatever the hell he wants, I am all for I love him so much. And to have him and Leguizamo doing this just kind of diehard, hyper-violent, the Santa Claus. Mm, I'm so happy to see it doing well. I, yeah, listen, David Harbour, even when he did that horrible Hellboy movie, I know nobody likes to remember that. Nobody wants to remember he it. He did what he could, though. He did what he could. Yeah. I mean, you're right. He was a good Hellboy. Like the character itself, the way he played the character, I thought was really quite good. Mm -hmm. It was very much in the spirit of, um, oh, why am I freezing Ron on Perlman. Clay's name? Ron Perlman. I said Clay. <laughs> it was done in the spirit of Ron Perlman, but made it his own. And he actually did a perfectly fine job with it. It's just that the movie itself was really awful, unfortunately. Yep. 
But Taylor, you you saw the movie twice already. <laughs> yeah, Two I'm not surprised. So number one, but what what did you think of Violent Night? So I saw it for the first time uh, a few weeks ago at an early screening at uh, City Walk, and I I loved it. I thought it was so funny. The the kills were really creative and Christmassy. But then I went again um, this past week to see it uh, at the AMC Burbank 16. And my crowd was like, you could tell because the Cocaine Bear trailer and the Megan trailer played before it. Everyone was cheering. Everyone was clapping. Everyone recited the uh, Nicole Kidman ad. Of course. So you could tell going into this movie, everyone was going to have a good time. And honestly, it was like one of the most fun experiences in a theater this year, just because of how like involved everyone was. And uh, it's one of the rare movies that I think I enjoyed the second time better. It was just so much fun. I highly, highly recommend it. It's also not a coincidence that the AMC Burbank 16 is one of the AMCs that has a big full-service bar Oh yeah, uh, in it, uh, which yeah. probably added a little bit to the uh, enthusiasm <laughs> and energy in that room. Anyway, guys, you question is for you. What do you think about these box office numbers? Which ones are standing out to you the most? The, the Black Panther crossing $730 million. Maybe the fact that some spoof little violent R-rated Christmas movie actually had a better opening weekend than a Disney thing, or just the fact that it made $13 million on a $20 million budget in its opening weekend, and it's getting good reviews. Whatever stands out to you guys the most, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our sixth and final main topic today here, shall we? Chris, what is our sixth main topic today? Our sixth topic comes from Akshay Laxman. Greetings from Mumbai. The Direct posted an article today where it reports that Marvel is not happy with Phase 4, mainly because Bob Chapek fo focused on quantity and not quality, just put too much content on Disney Plus to gain new subscribers. It's reported that Marvel may change their release slates for Phases 5 and 6. What are your thoughts? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, uh, actually, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, now look, I let me say this off the top. I don't really believe the report. Um, there are just a few things in there that feels like spaghetti being thrown against the wall. But despite the fact that I don't personally believe the report, I believe there's truth in it because this is stuff that a lot of us have been saying for a long time. Like the, the common refrain, not just of me, but a lot of you guys too, you guys have been saying this for a long time. Those of you watching the show have been saying for a long time that it's become kind of clear that the sheer volume of contents become a Marvel. What I saw a statistic that it's like over the first 10 years and the first three phases, like 23 Marvel projects have come out. Where in the last two years, in one single phase, 19 projects have come out. That's bananas. I mean, that that sheer volume of content. We have said on this show, you as fans have been saying that obviously Kevin Feige no longer has as direct control over the projects and the Q&A, or not Q&A, but the QA, quality, quality control and quality assurance over the projects that he used to have. There are some projects where he entirely keeps his hands off it altogether. And he's the magic sauce that made the, the, the MCU in phases one, two, and three work and run. And when you have such a glut of content, you become, well, we have X number of good ideas. Those X number of good ideas can be spread across three projects this year or could be spread across eight projects this year. We can have our best people, but only on working on a couple of projects, whereas we have to take people we might otherwise not have worked with to do other projects. It starts to get watered down. We've all seen it. You as the audience have written into about it all the time. We've talked about it on the show all the time. 
Too much has been stretched too thin. Kevin Feige was, in fact, given a quota of how much content he had to start producing. Because now we had Disney+, Plus, we got the movies, the shareholders want those big box office dollars, all that kind of stuff. And eventually something's got to give. There is balance in the universe of movies, my friends. If you take a little something, something's got to be given. And while I don't believe the refrain going around that Disney wanted quantity over quality, I don't believe that. I think Disney wanted both. They wanted quantity and quality, but failing to understand the nature of how the world works. If you start stockpiling and putting out tons and tons and tons of stuff, your quality is going to suffer. Now, look, we've said this a lot on this show. Phase four, Chris, has had some diamonds in it. Whether it's WandaVision, Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Ms. Marvel, it has had some absolute diamonds. It's had some duds. You know, whether you're talking about, for me, I mean, look, it's all subjective. Maybe you love some of these things and that's fine. But things like Hawkeye, uh, I was underwhelmed with the Black Widow movie. I was a little underwhelmed, even though I liked it in general, I was a little bit underwhelmed with uh, Falcon, the Winter Soldier and Loki. They've had some great stuff. That's some, uh, some of their, their specials have been really great. They've done two so far. Werewolf by Night was great. The Guardians holiday special was shockingly good. I, I couldn't believe how much I liked that. But overall, the general overall quality of phase four has been the lowest of the four phases so far. And so I believe there is truth in the notion that Bob Iger may want to see, because here's the thing, Bob Iger has always had this philosophy that fewer things done with excellence in the long term will make you a lot more money than more things with compromised excellence will in the long term. You might make more money this year with more content less quality. But over 10 years, you'll make more money with a little bit less content with higher excellence. So do I believe that there is some truth that Bob Iger may step in and say, we might need to evaluate how much content we're putting out? Yes. Do I specifically believe this report coming out that's just basically parroting everything the fan community has been saying? Not necessarily. Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm not here to judge anything. I'm just saying, I don't know that I personally buy it, but I do believe there are kernels of truth to that because it's truth that the audience and fan community has been saying. It's stuff that we've been saying for ever since, you know, halfway through phase four. So I get it. Anyway, Chris, there's been a big topic of conversation around here about Mm -hmm. the quality of the content Marvel's been putting out in phase four, the overwhelming quantity of content they've been putting out. What do you think Bob Iger is looking to do here? And what would you do with it right now if you were in charge moving forward with phase five and six? Oh, man, Bobby, call me. Um, You know, focus. This is what we've kind of lacked, I feel like, in phase four is focus. And we keep hearing that there is a grandmaster plan of how everything is going to come together. But I don't know if I necessarily believe that is part Mm. of the plan, really, because right now phase four has had a bit more of a spaghetti on the wall thing. Right. Let's see what sticks and then we'll go from there. in kind of the Bob Iger philosophy, and then in uh, an acting professor philosophy of mine, uh, I was always told, do more of what works, less of what doesn't, which is so simple, right? But you have to figure out what doesn't work, which is part of the problem. And I think phase four has been a lovely exploratory thing, right? Where we've tested different things, we've explored some different genres, we've seen how far we can push comedy or certain subjects, we've seen how the one-offs can do incredibly well. And I think that's something where you can have more content 
being developed by doing those lovely one-offs because they can be so concise, so well done, an hour special. Oh, you can make that fire on all cylinders. And then certain things. I know She-Hulk didn't really work for you. Right? Yeah, it did not work for me, for unfortunately. There were moments of, there, to be all Celine Dion about it, there were moments of gold and there were flashes of light. <laughs> there were things I wouldn't want to do again. But I, I think that they have a real big learning curve this year, especially with trying to create so much stuff for a streaming platform, as well as doing things for the cinema. So I think moving forward, they are going to kind of tamper down what they're doing a little bit. Um, and I do agree with you that there is a kernel of truth here. The best rumors are kind of a where there's smoke, there's fire situation, right? So you take something that absolutely has some truth to it and you expand upon it. Now, do I think everyone's sitting down and being like, well, you know, phase four has been trash and we all should feel bad about it. No, I think they're going to use this as a learning opportunity to streamline things a bit more. I, you know, one of the rather interesting things, too, when you look at their overall slate and what they've done, like I've always said this, when you look back at phases one, two and three, what made those phases, each one of those phases, which, by the way, phases are all just made up arbitrary, <laughs> fake delineator. But when you look back at those phases, what made all those those phases work was not that you could see how all the movies tied in together. There's this narrative going around with the audience. It's about, are they tied? None of that mattered. What mattered was, other than a few, like Iron Man 2, Thor 2, a couple of ones like that. Mm -hmm. Other than those few outliers, the movies individually were great. That's all. That's all. That's all that matters. If you make the individual movies great... How they all tie together, all that, that becomes a secondary thing. Yeah, just look at Morbius. <laughs> just look at Morbius. But when they don't, when the movies aren't excellent, then all of a sudden all the other things, like I said, winning cures everything, losing highlights problems you wouldn't otherwise pay, pay attention to. When the individual movies aren't as good and the individual projects, whether they're shows or movies or whatever, aren't as good, well, then we start paying attention to all the other things. Like, well, because here's the thing. If everybody loved every movie that came out, if Black Widow was a 10 out of 10 and Eternals was a 10 out of 10 and the, what Thor, Love and Thunder was a 10 out of 10, nobody would be talking about, you know, I just don't see how all this is tying together. But since those movies are not all 10 out of 10s, we're left grumbling a bit. And we're like, well, and by the way, we don't, we don't even have, we're not even able to fall back on being able to see what the big overall plan is. In phases one, two, and three, that wouldn't have mattered because each individual movie is great. That hasn't been the case here. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about these rumors going around that Marvel and Disney might be looking at maybe scaling back the amount of content, maybe rearranging things a little bit in phase six, maybe maybe making some things that were going to be movies into TV shows, maybe some things that were going to be TV shows into movie, like Armor Wars is. Mm -hmm. Maybe taking some of these projects and just making them straight up special presentations like Werewolf by Night and the, the Guardians Holiday special was. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? How do you think this is all going to turn out? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to move into the most important part of our show, which is you guys. We want to hear from you about your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. We are now opening up the Super Chats. We only leave them open for a couple of minutes, so get your thoughts, theories, and questions in fairly quickly. And then Chris and I are going to address them and read them off. Now, before we do, though, we want to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's video, my mobile carrier provider, Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. 
Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. I have absolutely loved using Mint Mobile and like I've told you guys many times, I am now spending less than one third of what I used to spend under one of the other major mobile carriers. And now with the whole buy three months, get three months free deal, it's it's even better. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, let's now get over to your comments and questions you guys have been firing in. So, Chris, what do we got up here first? We are starting with Birdies by Ben, who sends in some support. Thank you, Birdies. Thank you, Birdies. Gabriel, MCU has so much fat in it. Miss it being lean. I'm, yeah, there's there's a little bit of that to it. Like the thing is, they started. I think Rob said this once, where it's like they just started introducing so many new characters so quickly, without giving us a sense about how this fits into the overall world. I, I mean, you're right. They, I felt for a long time they need to lean it down a little bit, and you might be right about that. All right, what's next? From Jay, which one of the big movie trailers released last week left the bigger impression on you by just well the trailer was done by just how well the trailer was done. Um, God, I, I gotta tell you, I should say, uh, last of us, I should maybe say guardians three. I'm going to say that transformers trailer. Ooh. I, I, listen, I know the dark I, horse. I know <laughs> they always put out good trailers and they always end up <laughs> shitty. I know. Other than Bumblebee. Bumblebee was really, really good. Thank you, Travis Knight, you for that. You can't fight true love, though. And you love him, John. But the, 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 but the trailer is good. Mm, it it's is. a great trailer. Again, I, I acknowledge this movie's probably going to be garbage. But I, I, I call it as we're talking about a trailer. Yeah. And the trailer was great. So I'm going to say it was probably that one. What about you? Which trailer stood to you? Last of Us. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say Cocaine Bear. I mean, oh, that Cocaine was, Bear did come out last week. No, then it, then it is Cocaine Bear. Shit. <laughs> Cocaine Bear trailer was bonkers. Love that. I love that. But last one was so good too. Oh, beautiful. So many good ones. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, I, I love this special footage we got out of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. We've got a lot of really good stuff dropped lately. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, have you seen the Variety 2022 Actors on Actors lineup? Sandler Fraser, Blanchett Yo, just to name a few. Give me uh give that to me now. One of my of favorite things that Variety has done has been the whole actors on actors thing. Like they've had some great ones. Um, and it's it's always interesting to see the particular pairings they have and put together. I really love that series. I haven't seen the lineup yet myself. Thanks for letting me know they brought it up. I look forward to that a lot because again, I think it's one of the best things any of the major trades do. So, and then which one is it that does the director's round table? That's um, is oh that the Hollywood Report? 
That's that? uh, Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood okay. Reporter does the, the director's roundtable is another fantastic one. I love that one too. All right, what's next? From Dumbrodor, one of two. The CW was developing Arrowverse series earlier this year called Justice You, where John Diggle leads five young metahumans to go undercover at a... Do, 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 do. A university. Sounds like a bad ripoff of the boys' Gen V idea. Thought it was dead until Diggle's actor teased that it's still in the works yesterday. I don't believe that at all. Don't you have to have a CW to have something with CW? <laughs> you have a CW. And, and CW still exists. Yeah. It's just owned by somebody else. Now, I, I don't believe it at all. I mean, listen, I'm not saying I, I personally got a phone call from the president of CW who has told me that this. No, 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 no. This is me as a fan speculating just like anybody else. But I don't believe it at all. I don't believe this. I, I, that sounds worse than Gotham Knights. And Gotham Knights looks pretty ass bad. I just don't know why John Diggle would be put in that position. I really like that character. I like the character well, of John. Very high him. ranking, right? With, yeah. With, with Argus and. I mean, I could see him as a mentor, but I, I also. It sounded about as bad of an idea as me being on my treadmill and trying to manscape at That's the same true. time. That's true. Bad <laughs> idea. Dangerous. Not going to work. Dangerous. All right, what's next? We told you. <laughs> we tried to warn you, Campia. <laughs> From Zach Marcello, did any of you get a chance to watch the trailer for You People, a new comedy written by Jonah Hill, starring uh, Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy? Looks hilarious. I didn't get to watch it, but I saw this drop and was like, that is a casting I, I'm interested in. When did that drop? I have no, I, this morning I saw just a, a little blurb on Twitter. I didn't get to watch it or anything. Oh, this is not no like it dropped like over the weekend or anything like that. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I, no, I had no me. idea this dropped. Uh, thank you for putting that on my radar, though, because yeah. I'm very interested in checking that out. All right, what's next? From Suthius, I totally understand Zoe's mentality. I, for one, love my wife and kids, but I'm also waiting for my date with Anne Hathaway. Hey, a guy can hope. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. And, uh, you know, if, you're, if your wife loves you as much as she shows, says she does, she would completely understand. Yeah. When yep. Helen Mirren shows up on my door, go, go crazy, Logan. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, there it is. That's, I remember Anne asked love. me once, like, if Justin Timberlake, because I, I was going to take her, I was interviewing Justin Timberlake one time, and I was going to take her, to go with because Anne has grown up as a big, big Justin Timberlake fan, right? And uh I remember she said, What if Justin like asked me out on a date? I'm like, holy shit, if I could say that me and Justin Timberlake dated the same girl, why not? I, said, you, I would never <laughs> no. deprive you of that. Go on that date, whatever. <laughs> All right. So yes, Anne Hathaway for everybody. All right, what's next? I'm sure, Anne Hathaway appreciates that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere she's just like, I did not agree to this. <laughs> Free Anne Hathaway for everyone. All right, what's next? Zach Marcello. Well, I finally tried sour cream with mozzarella sticks. While I don't think it's uh, it's our it's out of out this of world, me. I do think I'll get a side of sour cream from now on. <sighs> Sad. Damn right. Damn right. When will you guys listen to the people? I did listen. I tried it. I, you I, guys are, no, you're in denial. You got to listen to I the people. The people have spoken. They have seen the glory that is matzo sticks with sour cream. The world has recognized it. It's time for you to get with the program, everybody. Listen, get with the I'm, program. I'm very selective about what dairy I'm going to eat because it's all going to be a bad idea ultimately. And that <laughs> just sounds like a bad time. All right, what's next? From Mr. 47, AMC theaters should buy the cable network AMC and then make a Kidman ad for the channel that plays every commercial break. Maybe then enough people will complain to persuade Black Adam Aaron. Um... I, 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 I think it's been a while since I told this story, but I did not know, like when I was started working with AMC theaters, I did not know the AMC television network was a separate company. Like one is America, America movie channel. Mm -hmm. And then one is America multi-cinema. 
So I, they were two complete. I didn't realize that when I started, it actually took a couple of years, me working for them to realize that. So I remember I was going in and I was interviewing, um, not Sir Ben Kingsley. It was uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. I went in to, to, to sit down with Anthony Hopkins and he came over, gave me this great, actually just one of the, my favorite interviews ever. He was just so nice. But he comes over, gives me a big hug. And he says, AMC, he says, I love the programming. And I think it was, it was Walking Dead was on AMC, right? Yes. Or something. Yeah, I mm -hmm. love this Walking Dead. And I remember I said to him, I said, you know what? It's funny you say that. They're actually two completely different companies. They're, they're not, I, because I work with AMC, I, I actually thought they were one company too, but it turns out they're two different countries, uh, companies. And Anthony Hawkins paused for a second goes, no, I'm pretty sure they're the same company. Yeah. And I'm like, wrong, John. well, what am I going to say to Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> if Anthony Hopkins says that. You're correct. Good, you are correct, sir. You are correct. All I right, used to get that all the time. And they'd be like, oh, I love Mad Men. I'm like, oh, no, no. It's AMC theaters. And they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the look of disappointment on people's faces. All right. What's next? From Terry McGinnis. Yay. Which actor has the MCU wasted? Carl Urban, Mads Mikkelsen? I think it's Rebecca Hall as they changed her villain role in Iron Man 3 for toy sales. Um, I don't think they weren't. I think Urban in, in, uh, in Thor 3 was a great role. I, lo I loved his character in that. I thought Mads Mikkelsen as the villain in Doctor Strange was a fabulous character. Listen, you, you only waste somebody if you give them something lousy. But I, yeah. and I've heard people say, well, you know, that, wow, they wasted their cell. I'm like, no, he played a great Heimdall and they used him great. But, but here's the thing. A lot of people think, well, if you've got a big name star, you got to do more with the character. No, no. That's how you make terrible movies. You, the actor is there to serve the character and the character is there to serve the story. It's not the other way around. So I don't think they wasted any of those characters. Now, the Rebecca Hall thing, again, coming out of Iron Man 3, I, I love her a lot and that character was questionable the way they handled the character in general like forget the fact that it was rebecca hall playing it it was just it was questionable the way that you handled the character so i might agree with you on that one a little bit all right what's next from uh zach marcello is netflix making a huge mistake by not allowing glass onion to stay in theaters despite theaters begging to leave it in netflix blowing it in my opinion um okay yes yes they are it's a mistake but as somebody who's been saying for a long time that Netflix needs to start taking their premium movies and actually giving them theatrical releases, I am not one of these things. I'm one of these people that's like, hey, you know what? It's a good first step. It's a great first step. They have never done this before. They've never taken one of their premium movies, given it a semi-wide release for a full week in theaters. Should they have made it a full theatrical release, period? Yes. But let's not fail to recognize the significance of them even doing this one thing. Now, Ryan Johnson was basically quoted this weekend saying too, that he is actually fighting with Netflix right now. He is trying to make a case to get it put back in theaters, but, and they have acknowledged we've left a lot of money on the table. We have left millions and millions and millions of dollars on the table. So, so did they make a mistake? Yes. But they also did something really, really smart by at least trying what they've tried. And I think this result that they got from Glass Onion is going to influence them trying it again and giving it a little bit of a wider thing. So let's hope it's a step in the right direction. All right, what's next? From A. Marcellus, hope that family enjoys that second switch. Aww, oh, yay! yay! 
Thank you so much. So oh the two gosh. switches are both gone now. That's amazing. That thank, and that was the that was the biggest ticket item on the on the list, guys. That means we we sold out of the Nintendo switches. Thank you so much, guys. That is amazing. And uh, we'll give a little bit of an update on that as we're uh, going out of the show. But thank you so much, yeah. man. That's awesome. All right. What's next? From Jay Master, Disney on buying out Netflix. This could mean we finally get Netflix movies in theaters with a proper theatrical window and do better on Netflix. Also, the series will be released weekly. I mean, listen, that is absolutely, Jay, you're 100% right. If Disney were to take over to Netflix, one of the first things you would see is not all of their original movies, because 95%, 98% of Netflix's original movies are hot shit. But they've got a few. <laughs> they got a couple like Glass Onion and, and things like that. You're absolutely right. The first thing Disney would do is, these things are getting theatrical releases. So, so what we, kind of temperature are we talking about when you're talking about hot shit? In mid 80s. Mid 80s. That's more warm. Yeah, like steaming hot shit on a cool winter yeah. morning. That, that's right in that right in that range. <laughs> but that's where you're looking. But you're right. Listen, Bob Iger and Disney would do some amazing things that they own Netflix. Again, it's not, I don't believe it's happening at all, but if they were to get their hands on Netflix, they would do some amazing stuff with it. That's my thought. So I think you're right, Jake. All right, what's next? From Seconds from Disaster, thanks for involving us in the adoptive family this year again. Could we donate money to get them a down payment on an apartment? A new permanent place to live would be the ultimate gift. Here's the problem. We, we tried last year to do to give an option for people to donate straight up money. The problem, that creates a tax problem for us because uh, we are not a charitable company, right? So if you guys send us money, whatever you send us, we actually have to pay taxes on and it becomes very convoluted. And then we have to do certain reporting about what we did with that money. So here's, here's the thing. I'm not going to reveal exactly what we're doing, but... I will let you guys know that you guys take care of this wish list. You leave it to us as to them getting a financial gift as well to help with that other stuff. So you guys take care of the wish list, leave the, the, the financial gift to us and we'll take care of that part. And, uh, It'll be great. But listen, there's a lot on that wish list, guys. Oh, my God. There's a lot on that wish list. Yeah. You guys can clear off that wish list. Unbelievable. Again, there are there are grocery cards on there. There are Amazon gift cards. Those are key, by the way. Those Amazon gift cards are gift cards are key because not only can they use them for like family entertainment and watch it, but it literally they can buy things they need off of Amazon that we might overlook and forget. So those are key. There's a lot of practical things on there. You guys take care of that part. You leave it to us to worry about the financial gift, and uh, and then we'll go from there. All right, what's next? From Gabriel, can we hear John's Japanese anime voice? Not if I like to keep my job. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and suddenly, the John Campy show got canceled. <laughs> What was was there? So, was there something done I, he, while I was away? No, no. Rob rapped. I mean, he could do. And I'm sorry, Rob. What rapped? Oh yeah, Rob rapped. He tried. It was I awful. can never be gone, can I? That was, that was special. I'm never going to be able to retire, am I? <laughs> All right. What's next? Yeah, we got that lost dude now. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, from Green Tea Drinker, who sends in a $50 super <laughs> well, chat. Well, thank you, Green Tea wow, Drinker. Appreciate that so much, man. Uh, hi, John. It was so nice meeting you and Anne in the autograph line for Simu at LA Comic-Con. I was the girl with the Shang-Chi top that Anne liked. It really <laughs> made my day after I had such a horrendous time trying to get to the convention center. Okay. Aww. Okay, first of all, 
thank you to every, by the way, we had, Ann and I were both overwhelmed. We could not believe how many people came up to us at the LA Convention Center to say that they watched the show. We even had this one group of girls come up to us and say, we love your show and we really love your brother-in-law, Ray. We love him so much. And this is the first thing Ann wanted to bring up to Ray when we got home that you know, we got Ray fangirls coming up to you, us. You don't need to lie, John. To no, me, it's, uh... it's, it's 100% truth. 100% truth. Um, but we had so many incredible people coming up to us and and say hi to us and, and thank you for that. Can we bring up that question again just, just for oh, a yeah. second here? Um, what was the last part? Oh, yeah. The horrendous time trying to get at the convention center. Okay. It was a fucking nightmare trying to get to the convention center. Because the Brain Trust, whoever runs LA Comic Con, they decided to hold it at the exact same time that the LA Kings had a home game. And the convention center and the uh, what was called the Staples Center, now Crypto uh, dot com center we just call it the crypt are right beside each other they utilize the same parking ann and i could not find parking anywhere we drove around no lie no exaggeration no hyperbole 45 minutes and every parking lot everywhere was full and we were getting ready to turn around and drive all the way back to riverside when as we're driving down the street this one car was pulling out of a metered spot on the side of the road. And we're like, oh my God, did we just get this lucky? So we pull in, double check the signs. We were fine. Walk 20 minutes to, to the thing. Fine. We're, we're in line at the convention center and we're talking to other people. There was this guy beside us who said he drove around for two hours. Whoa. Two hours trying to find a place to park. Like it was a nightmare. These people got to start like... You can have all these great ideas. If the logistics don't work, you got to come up with something because that was a clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. It was really, really badly put together. But anyway, How was the actual convention itself? Did you see any cool stuff? Actually, yeah, we did. There was there was a number of really, really cool things. We were really tempted to jump in the Charlie Hunnam because we were walking by and we saw Charlie Hunnam because I'm a big Sons of Anarchy guy was signing autographs. And unlike other autographs there where you had to register for it first on the app, it, they just had this sign up that literally, it was handwritten sign Aww. on his line that says, 100 bucks cash. For, for, for Charlie Hunnam? For Charlie Hunnam. Just the star bucks, just of the most bucks underrated cash. movie, Knights, Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> Arthur? King yeah. Arthur? I, I don't care. I am with you on that. I, I like that, that movie, movie a lot. Man. I don't know why everybody hates on that movie so much. I, I like that movie. Have you I guys don't seen care. It? I didn't see that one. You didn't see Knights? Did you see Arthur? No. no. Taylor? It's, no. Taylor. <laughs> really? The guy who Taylor did everything. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. It's fun. It's a good movie. It's, it's definitely a lock, stock, and two smoking barrels version of the of the King Arthur okay. Roundtable mythology. That's but fun. It, I liked it. It was fun. All right. What's next? From Rafael Castillo. Today, it's 19 years since the station agent and introduced me to Peter Dinklage, Bobby Cannavale, uh, Patricia Clarkson, Crush, and director Tom McCarthy, an underappreciated gem. I love oh, station agent. So good. When, what was your first impression of it, Jonathan? Uh, at the time, I was just kind of really into, I was really into like this, I the indie film scene. And so it was kind of like right up my alley, but I just loved it. I just loved the friendships that developed there. Um, Bobby Carnavale just played this like so out of character from what we see him now. He was just this goofball guy working at a wasn't it a a food truck? I think he had a food truck or like a it, he yeah. he's had like coffee that he sold his mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, Peter Dinklage was just like not there for any of it. And he's after a while they all like won each other over and 
Yeah, I just loved it. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, for a while, Nicole, uh, for a while, Kidman ad was on and off before movies, but I've noticed it playing before every AMC showing now. WTF is going on, and I get pissed. Look, don't get me started. Don't get me started on this. It's such bullshit. It's so stupid. Again, I like the commercial. I like the commercial a lot. It's a well-made commercial. I'm already sitting in the AMC theater. You don't need to show me a commercial for AMC theaters when I'm sitting in AMC theaters. I've said it before. I will say it again. It's like begging your date to check out your Tinder profile when you're already in the middle of having sex. What's the point? And it would be fine if it wasn't already 25 minutes after when the damn movie was supposed to start. They need to run it right before trailers. Yeah, run it before the trailers. Yeah. Like if the movie's supposed to start, run it at, if the movie's supposed to start at seven, run it at 6.58. That, that's fine. The, the problem for me is, is that I go to a movie theater, showtime is seven o'clock, great. Movie's not going to start till 7.30. So 7.25, you've just sat through 12 trailers and some commercials. And you're like, all right, now we're going to start the movie. Nope, now we got to watch a commercial that I have to watch every fucking time I come in here. You know that 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 actual ad it would work perfectly if people actually still go to the ticket booth like where it shows the show times just have it running 24 yes! hours a day or the kiosk have it running there that's what makes sense when people are like on the fence about should we watch a movie here yeah, oh I, she's telling us we should Nicole Kidman <laughs> says we should go we need to go I don't know it just it's uh, whatever it just bugs me I, I'm not going to go off on it again okay what's next from uh oh Sam Fisher, did you see The Rookie last night? They did this really weird, awkward tie-in with Avatar 2, just like the TV show Bones did in 2009 with Avatar 1. I have not. I've not what? seen it. Yeah, I like The Rookie a lot. I, I watched the, the Rookie, but I'm not, I didn't watch the newest episode. By the way, I am now, after yesterday, I'm two episodes behind on Yellowstone. Oh. And two episodes behind on uh, Tulsa King. Must not be that good then, huh? Oh, no, I love it. It's just that <laughs> I've been so busy. So I get caught up on that, but I, I'm going to get caught up on The Rookie I'm very intrigued to find out what you mean by that tie-in, so I'm looking forward to checking yeah. it out. All right, what's next? It's just Nathan Fillion underwater. By the way, Erin Cummings was on this season of The Rookie. She was. Yes, yeah, she was. Good old cookie. Wasn't she playing like a, a prostitute, madam? Probably something Probably. Like Yeah, yeah, she's, oh, I love Chris. <laughs> or Erin. I love Chris too. <laughs> I love Chris too. But, but you know, I'm so glad that when you think of prostitutes, you're like that one next to me over here. That's good. Yeah. That's great. When you think walker of the streets. Yeah. Dad, are you watching today? I hope so. Shout out prostitutes. <laughs> Shout out to sex workers. You guys oh, are great. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, sex workers. Animator, <laughs> when do you think Lucasfilm will announce the next Star Wars movie? You know, it's, it's a good question. Um, I think it's a priority of Bob Iger. Look, Kathleen Kennedy, the decision's been made. She's not going to be the head of Lucasfilm anymore. So I don't know if they will announce the next Star Wars movie officially. I don't know. I'm saying I, I don't know. I don't know if they will announce the next Star Wars movie prior to Kathleen Kennedy leaving. I, I cannot help but wonder if once they choose the next head of Lucasfilm, if they will let that person announce the new Star Wars movie. So it might be a little bit, or they they may let 
Kathleen Kennedy announced it sometime relatively soon. I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be one or the other. But I, there might be an argument to be made that they're going to wait until they have the next head of Lucasfilm in. So that can be like a coming in with a bang saying, and I'm pleased to announce that uh, blah, blah, blah. Jedi of the Sith orgy fun fantastic time coming out Woo. december 23rd 2024 i i don't know they might but they might let the new person announce it but i have no idea i'm just pulling that out of my ass all right what's next from reviewed by nick just call it only max lol only max instead of only fans only, fans. only max i like it or just call it i get just then disney just renames to plus that's it did you ever see that it was a sketch i think maybe called humor did it or something where it was no mom i'm not doing porn i got onto an hbo show <laughs> and it's just all these clips of like actors just being like no i have this great scene on hbo it's not porn i promise i booked, I booked game of thrones Oh, all right, what's next? From Dumbrodore, Dumbrodore, excuse me. Uh, what James Mangold said perfectly applies to people who thought Batgirl got canceled because it was trying to sell a message when nobody knows plot details. I, I mean, look, it. The, here's the thing. Long before, <laughs> long before that they announced that they scrapped Batgirl, a lot of places, we weren't the only ones, there was a lot of places, including us, were, were telling you that, We've been hearing from people connected to the thing and it's not looking good for Batgirl. And we were excited about Batgirl. I mean, you had Brendan Fraser connected on there. You know, you got the those directors coming in, the, the, the Bad Boys directors who did a great job on Ms. Marvel and a lot of reason to be enthusiastic, but we had heard that it was not shaping up well. So when they announced that they were, you know, sinking it, and then they even came out and said, like David Zaslav came out and says, like, listen, if we don't believe in, in a project, we're not putting it out there. Because just like what Bob Iger, we were talking earlier about what Bob Iger says, right? Like put out fewer things with excellence that will make you more money long-term. DC properties already have a reputation problem. Fair or not, DC is seen as the second-class citizen compared to Marvel films. Maybe that's a fair perception. Maybe it's not a fair perception, but you can't deny that is the perception. So what's the healthier thing for your brand? To put out something that you yourself as the studio believe is crap or you know what? We'll bite, we'll bite the financial hit. It'll make us, we'll bite it. That is some visionary leadership shit there. And I know a lot of people don't like it when I say that, but fuck it. It's the truth. Because money is usually the only thing that ever drives them, but they realize, you know what? It is better for us to take the financial hit and just sink this project right now than put it out in theaters, damage our reputation even more because that will cost us even more long-term. And yeah, so you can make up whatever rumors you want about other things and put on your tinfoil hat because I do that a lot myself, I admit. But uh, it just was what it was. All right, what's next? From Rob the Knight, what is the best love story in the MCU? Ooh, mm. I think most love stories in comic book properties suck, but there are a, a couple of ex exceptions. Tony Pepper. It, Tony Pepper is honestly probably the best one. I love them. Because they actually developed that over a number of films. I, I, I have loved the nature of that relationship, the way they did it. And I generally hate like Thor and, and uh, Jane. Jane. Mm -mm. It worked. Listen, as bad as some people think Thor Love and Thunder was, it probably worked the best in Thor Love and Thunder than it ever did before that. But that one never really worked for me. Um, Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, 
Loved them. They, that, that one worked. Peter and Gwen were great. Yeah, that Peter and Gwen worked very, very well for me. My favorite recently has been uh, um, Druig and... Uh, uh, Oh, the Eternals Macari? characters. Macari? Yeah. No, yeah. not Makari. What is it? Uh, why am I freezing on how to pr properly pronounce her name? But Drurig and her. Um, it is. Oh, some people in the live chat are saying it is Mac uh, Makari. Okay, so Makari and Drurig. That one was adorable to me. Yeah. It's just the way they would look at each other. The smile she would give him. There was something they never kissed in the entire thing. Didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I. I love that. So that those are a couple that really, really. Oh, and Sandu in the live chat is saying Wong and Madison. You know what? It ain't going to be a, a a relationship, a love relationship. But I would watch the shit out of. I want their buddy comedy. I I would watch the shit out of a buddy comedy of the two of them. I think mm -hmm. that would be amazing. All right, what's next? From Anna Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Had a lot of fun with Violent Night. Just uh, sad. Sean Penn didn't say, "Here comes Santa Claus." Great Halloween Kills reference, though. Uh, I Again, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't... Sean Penn is in Violent Night? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> uh, again, like, so I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't get the reference to it, but thank you for the recommendation. I am going to go see it tonight. Uh, Anne's got a work thing tonight, so I'm going to slip off to the Tyler Galleria myself tonight and go check this out. I'm looking forward to that. That that was from that movie where um, they were all... It was like the 1940s or whatever, and... Um, Gangster Squad? Gangster Squad. He's like, here comes Santa Claus. Boy, that movie boxing. was so... That was, that was one of those movies that I thought for sure was going to be an Oscar yeah. contender. It was just garbage. Ugh. All right, what's next? From a Sith Lord. Let me, t uh, let me tell you, crew, I've been reading The Boys the past couple weeks, and I have been addicted. Gen V is going to be so much fun and bloody. Happy Monday, fam. The Boys is one of those rare things, and, and Rob agrees with me on this, where I think the on-screen adaptation is actually better than the comic oh, hard agree it's it's better than the comic mm -hmm. the comic's great but what they've been able to put together on screen has just been incredible and i'm with you like especially after the boys season three which i thought was phenomenal oh, so good. i'm you know what it just i get sad every once in a while thinking at some point they're going to cancel the boys whether it's after season four or season five at some point yeah. there's not going to be the boys anymore. i'm going to be so sad but i'm glad jen is here because that looks great mm -hmm. all right what's next support Oh, and just some support from uh, Stalfos. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, Stalfos. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Now, allow me, indulge me for just for a minute to uh, stump for this one more time. It is Christmas time again. We are doing our adoptive family just like we did last year. You guys made such a difference in one family's life. Let's do it again this year. Right at the top of the description down below is the Amazon wish, uh, wish list link. Click on that. Find something that you can contribute as well. And when you buy it off the wish list, it will be delivered straight to us and we will take care of the wrapping it and de delivering it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a bunch of you guys looking at the list a lot of stuff has already been bought. There's more to do. If you guys can help out and contribute to that, that would be fantastic. So we're going to be pushing that a heavy for the next couple of days. So if you get sick of hearing me talk about it, don't worry. It'll only be for a couple more days. All right, guys, that'll do it for us for now. Uh, there is no, just so you know, uh, Robert Meyer Burnett clearly is under the weather today. So there's not going to be 
a weekly hero today. We'll postpone that till Wednesday. So our next video will be tomorrow morning for the next installment of the John Campy Show. We hope you guys will come back and join us for that. So for myself, the wonderful Chris Carr, Ray Ora back there, running the show today, Jonathan Voiko. We got Taylor Gonzalez beside him. My name's John Campy, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.